Hi, I'm Sal Viscuso, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. I have no idea what I've gotten myself into, but I'm ready for it. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hello, we are back with another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 640 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we go back to the TV show Soap and MASH. And, of course, our guest was on all kinds of other TV shows as a guest star. More recently, of course, different shows that he was on, too. But uh, the big ones, Smash and Soap. It's Sal Viscuso. He's going to be joining us here. He was Father Tim on Soap. And uh, on MASH, you might recognize him as the announcer doing all the uh, intercom announcements at the beginnings of the show and throughout the show and uh, he made some uh, actual appearances on the show of mash and everything so we're going to find out all sorts of things from sal he's coming up in a few minutes right here on on screen and beyond so get ready for that and also we want to uh, thank you for uh, joining us here at on screen and beyond if you're new we welcome you and i urge you to go back and listen to a few of the episodes we've had we've had over the past 16 years we've had over 639 other episodes that you you have missed and you can go back and listen to those and a lot of people have been downloading them and uh, we are getting a lot of people to listen to them and uh, send me feedback uh, on them at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. You can connect with me there. And also we are on the social. So if you want to connect with us there, I, I don't check those as often. So it's easier if you go to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com if you want to send me a message or if you are on Spotify for podcasters getting your the episode, there's a little button that says, uh, I think it says something like uh, send voice message or something like that. And you can click there and you can actually, uh, you know, say what you want to say and uh, then just send the message to me and I'll get that too. So uh, we may use that on the episode or on, on a episode. So, uh, you know, just be aware of that if you do send it that way, unless you tell us, you know, don't use this. Okay. And uh, then we wouldn't, but, uh, you know, there's always a chance that uh, if you, uh, you know, send it, that we could use it. So uh, we appreciate you doing that. And of course, if you are on any of the uh, podcast providers, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that, Please help us out by uh, following us, uh, you know, that, that way, uh, and uh, subscribe to us so you can get the episodes immediately, and also leave a five-star review if you could, <laughs> that would be good, or, uh, you know, some type of review or, or anything like that would help. So we get the word out about On Screen and Beyond, and uh, thank you so much for doing that. And if you've been an episode uh, listener for years, because we've been doing this 16 years, we thank you for listening to us, and we hope we are bringing people that you enjoy and some people send us uh, 
you know, requests of people to try to get. And uh, I, you know, try to do that. Uh, sometimes I can't. A lot of times, you know, they're, they're just people I can't connect because either I can't get through to them somehow, can't find a connection. You never know. But I apologize if I can't, but, you know, it's just sometimes I can't. So anyways, uh, we've got a lot more guests coming your way and it's getting into the summer season and I'll be taking some vacation time, of course. Uh, season 17 will be starting in September, but we've got more, a lot more episodes before that. So uh, just get, get ready for, for more episodes of On Screen and Beyond. But like I said, in the meantime, go back and listen to uh, all the other episodes we've had. Uh, so many out there and uh, a lot of people are downloading them. So we appreciate it. It's time for remakes, sequels, and prequels next on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Well, remake sequels and prequels. It looks like Giancarlo Esposito has joined the cast of the super secret monster movie for Universal. We don't know what it is yet, but uh, there's a lot of people getting involved with this one. Uh, Disney is now making a live action remake of uh, the animated classic Bambi. And, uh, you know, it's like blah, 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 more. Okay, Disney animated classic making it into a live action. They just seem, you know, to do this over and over and over. But uh, I guess that's, uh, you know, there's, I don't know what's happened to creativity. <laughs> Anyways, uh, James Gunn says that after a lot of auditions, they are narrowing down who will be the next Superman in Superman Legacy. So they've been uh, doing their auditions, getting it down there. As soon as we hear, we'll let you know. And Melissa McCarthy says she would be up to a sequel to Ma with Octavia Spencer. And uh, time will tell if that happens or how long it happens because of the strikes and everything. But uh, we'll see what happens with that one. And that's it for remakes, sequels, and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Bradley Cooper will direct and star alongside Will Arnett in a film called Is This Thing On? Arnett co-wrote the script... And Robert Zemeckis will direct Here. Now, this is a film set in uh, one single room, and all the people who inhabit it, past and future. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks is in it. Robin Wright is going to star in it also. So uh, we'll see what they do with that one. And Robin Wright, speaking of her, she will also star alongside Millie Bobby Brown in Damsel as a young woman thinks she is marrying her prince, but is actually being sacrificed to a dragon. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond, movies and TV on DVD, and streaming. This is Bob Barker, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. Movies and TV on DVD and streaming, Metalopagus. I don't know if I said that right, but <laughs> whatever. Metal Apocalypse. Uh, okay, something like that. Uh, the complete series goes to digital and DVD on August 15th. July 25th, you can look for the complete story of film to land on Blu-ray in a, in a box set. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how they're getting the complete story of film because... <laughs> It's going to be more than a box set, I'll tell you, or it's going to be a huge box. But anyways, that's coming your way on July 25th. And Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon gets a 4K Steelbook limited edition release on September 19th. 
That's it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Well, it looks like the Beatles are not stopping. Paul McCartney says there will be one more Beatles song released this year with the help of AI will enhance a demo tape that John made for Paul and they will once again sing together and it's called Now and Then. At least that's what it's called right now. Whether it stays that way, we don't know. We'll see. And uh, so get ready for another Beatles song. And Disney is planning an Indiana Jones series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, how are they going to do that? We'll see. And sadly, 87-year-old Glenda Jackson, two-time Oscar winner, has passed. And also Treat Williams has died in a motorcycle accident at the age of 71. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we sit down with Sal Viscuzzo. He was on Soap, Father Timothy Flutsky, and MASH. He, you heard his voice all the time. He, uh, he was, uh, for a long time, he was uh, the guy who did the announcements, you know, that you heard, you know. So, uh, and also he was in the show once in a while. And uh, we're going to be talking with him about that and a lot of stuff. Sal Viscuzzo coming up right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who we have seen and heard on films and TV shows, including Station 9, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, Law and Order, Scandal, Castle, Port Childs, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Falcon Crest, The Love Boat, Barney Miller, The Montefuscos, and so many others. And his longest running roles were on the comedy Soap and the classic TV show MASH. It's Sal Viscuso. Sal, welcome Hi. to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Now, Sal, like we were talking before we got on the air, I always try to get people on the show who, you know, I have personally uh, enjoyed watching and everything. And one of the shows, uh, well, two of the shows, really, but, but the one that really cracked me up was Soap. That show and your role in it was so funny, but but that show was kind of uh, controversial at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, very specifically, my character, um, I was told by Fred Silverman, may rest in peace, who ran ABC at the time, we were at the first airing of the first episode. My episode had not aired yet. I was the, oh, I was episode five, I think, first season. And he stood next to me, he goes, you know, everybody at the network loves you. I'm a fan of your work, but there's a chance it won't get on because the, uh, I guess it was a Christian, uh, people were particularly upset, having never read the scripts, having not been privy to any of the filming, word got out that there was this priest who was trying to seduce this woman in a confessional. None of that's true. You watched it. Diana Canova, I love her still, of course, big, yeah. big, big surprise. Corinne pursued me. And Tony Thomas, for the record, is also Catholic. I'm Catholic Italian. And we would talk about the script 
about what was cool and what wasn't. And we never crossed any lines. I was really careful about that. And the character, my character, really wasn't innocent and mm -hmm. and didn't have a calculated thought in his brain to get anybody as it were. But there was all this brouhaha that this was really inappropriate, but none of it was on the paper. And I did what was on Susan's scripts. Mm -hmm. They never be, be asked me to do anything that was against Catholicism. Yeah. And, and, and they fought for me. They fought for me to get on the air. But it was touch and go. Look, Billy Crystal, who was playing one of the first openly gay characters, he's with, uh, what's his name? Bob Seagram, who was, a, you know, a gold medal winner at the Olympics, straight as an arrow, mm -hmm. as is Billy. But they were trying to undermine that, too. Like, there was something in inherently wrong with, you know, men being in love with one another. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And I was young and hungry. I didn't, you know, what did I know? I didn't know. <laughs> but I also was doing MASH at the time, too. I was also on camera a few times, and I was doing The Voice. So I had a great gig. So uh, to me, it was a win-win. And I had done the Montefuscos, which was short-lived on NBC, three years, two years earlier. Mm -hmm. I came out in L.A. on spec, got a pilot, the Montefuscos. And even, I didn't know what a pilot was, actually. And I got back to New York, and I just assumed it was going to be a TV series. Why wouldn't I think that, right? And it was. It got picked up. We moved back to we moved to California Memorial Day weekend. We drove out with everything we had in '75. We shot the show. I'm watching the Tonight Show that fall, and then I get a call from Bill Persky, the producer, saying, "Are you watching the Tonight Show?" I says, "Yeah, we are, Billy. Why?" And he goes, "Well, I got bad news." I says, "What?" He says, "We've been canceled, and you're going to get the confirmation right now when you watch Lee Grant, and the screen will probably get blacked out here in California." Three hours earlier, they taped it in New York, and she did this to the head of NBC programming because he had canceled both her show and ours, and she was blaming our show as the early lead-in that was weak so that their show that piggybacked on our show was canceled. So I found out that my gig, my first TV series, was canceled watching The Tonight Show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But she did this live in New York so that they couldn't black it out, but they blacked it out when the time it got to LA. Huh. We we shot nine, five aired. Wow. Huh. And two years later, I got soap. Wait, this story even gets better. The people that produced Lee Grant show, right? Mm -hmm. The woman who wrote it was Susan Harris. So she wrote soap, comes full circle. And Lee Grant, who was blacklisted during the blacklist, her daughter. Dinah Manoff played my brother-in-law Ted's girl on soap. Do you see? Yes. Look, look at this. Great, huh? And Sheldon Leonard, who was on the lead with Lee Grant, he and also produced it. He was Danny Thomas's guy on the Danny Thomas show, from which Danny Thomas's son Tony produced soap. Do you see all this? Huh. One degree of separation. Right. I yeah. didn't know any of this at the time. I didn't put two and two together. But now I look back on it. It was meant to be. Yeah. Huh. Well, that, I mean, that show, like you say, it, it was, you know, there was a lot of news media about it and everything on soap and everything. Uh, and, and if people had just watched it, I mean, it, it was a crazy show. It was really good. Smart. And yeah. it was smart because Susan, who was a single mom, 
uh, who had her son, Sam, Susan was watching, the story I heard, not out of her mouth, was she's watching these sitcoms and she goes, I can do better than that single mom. She got her typewriter out and started typing. And that started her career. Wow. She had a she had a singular singular vision, and she was really pro women, you know, which was great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Catherine Damon, Catherine Catherine uh, Hammond, you know, I mean, the two of them were like just forget about it, you know. They were great, Catherine Hellman, you know, and the, the, the just two Catherines alone were just the cat's pajamas. <laughs> Jennifer Salt, the the late Waldo Salt's daughter. You know who was Eunice, my my sister in law, mm-hmm. Diana. Diana, I mean, very talented people. You know, and coming the lineage that Jennifer came from. Her dad was a great writer, great screenwriter. Yes. You know, wrote uh, um, 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 Midnight Cowboy for one. Mm. Wow. You know, he had been blacklisted during the blacklist too. Huh. All those. Seven. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. It was. Uh, I didn't even realize how lucky I was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've been fortunate. Uh, I've had past guests from soap on the here. Uh, Jay, Jay Johnson was on one time. Jay, Jay's one of my buddies. I love Jay. Really? Yeah. And it quite a, quite a while ago, I've been doing the 16 years. So, <laughs> and John Biner, wow. John Biner also. Really? Was John. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what a talent. very funny. Yeah. So now with so many talented people on that show, uh, how did you not crack up? You know, I mean, and, and you know, Bert, <laughs> I mean, he was a Richard Mulligan, <laughs> may he rest in peace, yeah. was brilliant. I know. I didn't have much with him. Most of my scenes really were basically with Diana. Diana. Yeah. And I had one particular scene with, with Bert and Ted where I went to work for Bert and I got all this construction. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was buried in cement. I don't know if you remember that episode, yep. but that was one of the only ones. I mean, most of, uh, I didn't really get it, the benefit of it working with that comedic genius, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I got to work with dear Dee Dee, who was a brilliant comedian, but never really with Bert. And I used to watch him and he made me laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he was the singular, singular most funny person. And Robert Guillaume. Robert was brilliant. Broadway actor, mm-hmm. you know, by the way, took me under his wing. He really, really was very fatherly to me. He, I lost my dad not too long before soap and my dad died pretty young and my dad never got to see any of my professional work. So Bob Bob had two sons and he kind of realized that I was like this kid, you know, this new kid on the block, which I was, I joined the cast after they had already been working for a while and he took very good care of me. Bob was one of my dear friends. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it just, if people haven't seen that show for whatever reason, they should definitely, you know, watch it. It's, uh, I think, I think it's on some of those, uh, it's available. I still get residuals, not a lot of money, but it's plain. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've seen it. And I I recently, uh, last year at the end of the year, uh, we took a trip across country for two months and, in our camper, we had soap with us. So <laughs> we, we watched you all over again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Uh, I, I really could not have asked for a better gig than that show. I mean, it really taught me a lot. Yeah. I worked with geniuses. I mean, Robert Guillaume, Catherine Hellman, Richard Mulligan, they're three. Billy is brilliant at what he does. Billy, Billy is a genius, you know, Billy, mm-hmm. and he's got heart and soul. And Billy, have you ever interviewed Billy? No, I haven't. I would love to, but I haven't. No. You know, really on that show, I mean, everybody was taking risks and things, but but you, for your role, you were taking a risk. 
And uh, Billy was taking a risk too, because you know yeah. at that time those roles probably you know were were very questionable, you know, because of what was you know. Do you, the remember, way. do you remember one of my early episodes where I'm at the altar and I'm praying in Latin? Yep. And comes. Well, that was my actual prayer book for my confirmation in Brooklyn in 1956. Really? <laughs> and yeah, and even though I didn't say anything in English. The, the network people were nervous because some of you ready for this? My looks to her, they were concerned about my looks. So Tony and I got together and we figured out which ones we were going to keep and which ones we were going to cut. Like when she says to me, well, you're no Al Pacino, you know, and I gave her, I shot her a look, well, whatever. But we, we were negotiating my looks. All I spoke was Latin. I didn't speak a word the whole scene except in Latin. Mm-hmm. Now I got a little speed sped up when she got to me, and they were concerned about that. They thought it might have been too much. You go figure. Yeah. Figure. Yeah. And and are you and, just seeing this thing they made about the exorcism stuff? Oh God, you don't even want to know. Really? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you know, you you mentioned that you were doing both shows, Mash and. Oh yeah, soap I was doing time. on camera literally the week I got soap. I was doing, which ended up being, unfortunately, my last on-screen appearance for MASH. And Bert Metcalf, may rest in peace, the associate producer, who's the very person that hired me for that MASH gig, because the guy who was doing the voiceover stuff, Todd Sussman, got a TV series. So Todd wasn't available anymore, and so he brought me in. And I was on camera. I was in my third MASH episode, because in those days... We got a lot of us got to do a lot of different parts on a lot of different shows. Not to now where they really take some doing to get back on. Like apparently the people that do the law and order franchises in New York, they go through that pool of actors. I've only done a couple of law and orders and I did the premiere season of SVU. And I met the showrunner, Robert Palm at the time. This was 99 to 2000 at the Hollywood YMCA. And he says, I'm going to write a part for you. And so he gives the part to me of Sal Avellino. He wouldn't change the name. Serial Subway Rapist. Oh, <laughs> that was it. Episode 19 called Contact, as in bodily contact, because that, unfortunately, is what I did in that episode. And it was based on a true thing that happened on a subway. I don't really want to say anything more than that. Mm-hmm. But I had to go into therapy after that because I was a mess. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Sal Avellino, and he wouldn't change the name to Sal, from Sal to Sal. He left it at Sal. I got a lot of stuff about that, a lot of flack from that one. Yeah, so so people, for some reason, can't distinguish between what well, you're doing. That wasn't, my experience was where people were hostile towards me. I remember meeting women in New York, and a buddy of mine would introduce me, and they would just literally physically take a step back. I mean, it was weird. Hmm. It was weird. Oh, yeah, it was heavy. It was wow. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the old saying, don't shoot me. I'm only the piano player. You know? <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't throw the baby in the bathwater or don't shoot. I'm just a messenger, but right. Oh no. Well, people, people got, when I would talk to people later, they went, Oh yeah. Like this. Right. Oh yeah. Huh. And no, no eye contact me. Watch. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that as opposed to this guy, which we know and love. Right. I just got a request to send an autographed picture, so I sent it because this—that was my first episode on soap. Remembering the confessional. Yes, yes, I re- I remember that. 
And we filmed it on August 3rd, 1977. That was my first episode. Wow. Jeez. And if you look at it carefully, because that was the first time I was in front of a live TV audience in a while, the laughter was so intense that I almost cracked. I think you could spot it. If you look really carefully. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, we reshot the episode, part of it, because the producers said they couldn't hear the jokes because the laughter was so much. And they and I remember being there after the audience left going, I'm only signed for seven out of 13. I hope they'll remember the response that I got and I'll be in all the episodes. But it never turned out that way because if you remember in the opening of Soap, this is a story about two sisters. Exactly. True to form, Susan kept that. Yeah. yeah. She made she made that be the MO of the show. Huh. Wow. But I'm not complaining. Hey, that this is the role that bought the house from which you're seeing me sit here in this house right now. Okay. I'm not complaining. No, that's that's the for house, sure. The house that soap bought. Yeah. Not complaining. <laughs> so it was on soap, was the cast joking around a lot or was it pretty, you know, pretty serious and nobody was, you know, well, when we did the work, it was all about the work and adhering to the script. I don't, I never improvise. I don't know if Richard did or anybody, but Jay Sandrich, may rest in peace, was our director. And in my situation, he directed all mine. I did 26 episodes and he ended his stint the day, the day that I ended mine at the end of season three. So he guided me very specifically. He was very subtle. He His humor was wry and intelligent. You remember, he did a lot of the Dick Van Dyke show. So he, this guy had his, he had the pedigree. Yeah. At the time, I believe Jay was the highest paid director on television. Wow. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So everything, everything I did, I looked to him for what he wanted me to do. Yeah. But behind the scenes that, that we didn't see, you know, we're, oh, yeah, we're yeah. Joking oh around. yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of play because the atmosphere was such, uh, I, I just have only good memories of it. I have no, except when I left, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, was shocked when I left. I didn't want that storyline to end, but mm. you know, Susan felt that she took it as far as she could go. And uh, I'm just glad I got to serve the story. Yeah, I was there purely to serve the story. And I'm glad that she wrote like that first season, she had written all that stuff. And I remember the one episode where um, Corinne comes to the monastery. Uh, I had huge monologues. And Harold Gould, may he rest in peace, was on that episode, too. He was dying in the hospital bed, I remember, was he and Billy. Yep. And he had huge monologues, too. And they had to cut him down. But she, when I first picked up the script, I had two full-page monologues. Hmm. Wow. I know. Jeez. Now, well, an abundance of riches, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Gary Berg, often on screen and beyond. And I guess I'm pretty beyond. On MASH, you were on screen all the time. You, I know, I was on screen. I did three different characters. The first one, I remember I was a patient, basically an innocent. And I guess somehow the writers heard my New York pattern and they made me one of those fast-talking guys. So the next two MASHs that I did, I was a con artist of sorts. Like with you, but not a mean guy, you know. You yeah. kind of go, hey, you know, he's just an operator, he's an operator. Yeah. And that, but I kept doing the voice, and because of soap, 
I became identified as the loudspeaker voice on MASH. Right. But after about four or five seasons, Todd came back and he finished it off. So we both shared that duty. It was just he and I. Yeah. Now, the bulk of them. When you did that, were you actually on set or did you, did they I have was, you? I it? was, I, I, we would record at Fox. I don't think I ever recorded out at the ranch because we always recorded those lines wild. I shot out at the ranch, yep. which was a double for Korea in the Malibu Hills. Yeah, been there, walked out there. <laughs> and I shot at Fox. Wait, apropos, do you know that there was a recent auction of some of the MASH props and the my loudspeaker? Oh, really? The voice through? Yeah. It, bidding started at $390, and Jeff Maxwell, Igor of mm -hmm. 89 episodes, yeah. going to get it for me. But the bidding kept going. Guess how much that weathered, literal, physical, that was out at the ranch, loudspeaker went for. Take Draw a number out. $1,500. 11000 and change. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wanted that really bad. <laughs> 390, I would have even bid on it if I could have gotten it. But yeah, over 11 grand. Wow. Jeez. So Jeff admitted to me the cost was prohibitive. <laughs> People, they do recognize you, though, for, for your voice yeah. on MASH. I mean, I've been on, I tell you something. This happened to me not too long ago where I got on an elevator. I said, What floor are you? And the person goes, looks at me quizzically and goes, uh, Number floor, tw 12th floor. Wait a minute. You know, you sound awfully familiar. And that, so, yeah. yeah. Well, when before we got on the air, people, you know, don't get to hear this stuff, but uh, we were testing things out, and I asked you to say something, and then you started yeah. going into your, your PA you know, oh, yeah. thing, and it, it yeah. was like, I heard, I'm hearing this, and it's like, wow. <laughs> it, it, I'm okay. hearing this voice over again. <laughs> Apropos, listen, you'll love this. So maybe five or six years ago, Mike Farrell, my bud, Mike called me up and he said, we're doing the 30th anniversary of the show. I've been asked to produce it and I want you to be the loudspeaker guy again. I said, great. So quick, quick chunk of money. And I got a call from the Fox network and they asked me to come in and do the promos. I did them the way I always did them. Attention, attention. This is the 30th anniversary of MASH. Everybody tune in over and out. The guy who was running the promos for the Fox network he actually said this to me. He goes, excuse me. I never met the guy before. He goes, have you ever done promos before? Like somewhat sarcastically. And I said, yeah, I have. Thank you. And why do you ask? And he goes, well, this is not the way we do things. I said, you hired me to do the way I did. They replaced me. I still made a quick 5,000 bucks for the day. So the Italians, we have a gesture. You know what that means? <laughs> We're not going to say it, but you know what that means, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, obviously, that guy had never heard or seen MASH. He hadn't done his homework, Brian. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> but Mike and I had the last laugh because, as I said, I made the five grand. <laughs> I mean, that... That's just insane. I, I and just, they replaced me with a guy that does network promos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I mean, that would have been perfect, having you doing that 
this typical voice. And then if they added that little, you know, the intercom sound to it. All right, but listen to me. If I if that guy recognized me and I had cachet in that guy's eyes, there wouldn't have been any issue. There huh. wouldn't have been any issue. Yeah. But he was a schmuck. Yeah. Boy. He was a schmuck. I don't know. Sometimes you wonder about the you know with the people that are running the the, the networks. You're now. not. Are you, do you really want to go there? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about politics. We'll go there, but we won't. Yeah, it's it just blows me away sometimes, you know, because I've talked to a lot of different actors, and they'll tell me that you know they go in, you know, and it's just somebody who's really been on a huge show, and they were the star. They don't know. And they don't the know. People, excuse me. I'm gonna be. How old do you think I'm going to be on October 5th? Throw out a guess. Uh, 70? Thank you. I'm going to be 75. 75, you, okay. You know how many times I go and audition? Well, I haven't been anymore since the pandemic, but most of the people I encountered acted as if they were 12. Now, I remember reading for something a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, and the person that was running it couldn't have been older than 12. And she said to me, have you ever done comedy? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Lyle Crocodile. I am on set in Georgia in some courthouse south of Atlanta. I'm doing my thing all day long, which got a great response. Javier Bardem and I really clicked. And at the end of Lyle Lyle, I delivered the great news, right? That the Crocodile Lyle gets to stay in the East Side townhouse. I'd been doing it all day off camera. It's seven o'clock at night. The director, who didn't seem to have any interest in getting to know anything about me, who hired me off the tape, self-tape. All day long, I'm there for them off camera. Finally, it's my coverage, seven at night, 12 hours later. Oh, so I made some comment to him. The director got defensive, which is too bad because I wasn't trying to make him feel bad. I was, I had a lot of energy. I was ready. Mm -hmm. You know what he actually said to me? After all day long, he got the response from my performance. He goes, now, keep it real now. <laughs> if you could have seen my eyes roll as I'm looking down going, one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, Niagara Falls, slowly I turn, step by step. Absolutely, absolutely, you got it. And I did it the exact same way as I'd been doing it all day. He says, great. I didn't change a gosh darn thing. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man, what you have to put up with sometimes, I guess. Huh? <laughs> all right? Wow. All right? Jeez. But it's small potatoes of putting up with it compared to, say, what the people in Ukraine are dealing with right now. Right. Okay? Yeah. Does yeah. that not put it all in perspective? Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I got nothing about which I can complain, except that I hope that the WGA wins and that come August and there's no network product, that's the only way those seven or eight conglomerates are going to understand writers are not able to make a living anymore. Yeah. 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 And I regret that the DGA settled. Oh, they did. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It would have been nice if they had not. That was quick. Said. That was quick. Well, they're always quick and they're always the ones that settle. Huh? Yeah. I regret that. Yeah, I regret that. 
Yeah, lately I've been having a lot of writers on and, and things like that, and they all say this, you know, the same thing that you know it's just hard to make a living doing this. And and really, without the writers, what would Mash have been without writers? I posted immediately on Instagram. I have no raison d'être without them. What what career would I have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, none. And I'm lucky because you mentioned Mash, of course, and so. The third show that I had recurring roles on, one of which was written for me, was Barney Miller, the late exactly. Danny Arnold. So you've got Danny Arnold, Susan Harris, and Larry Gelbart, three old Jewish singular vision writers writing. Okay? Three. Right? Yep. Right. So you've also been in, you were uh, was Bobby Big Mouth on uh, Superman? I went into that on my birthday and I was feeling nothing but great because I knew after I left that audition, I was going to go to my favorite Italian restaurant, Dapper Squall, up the block and meet my buddies. So I was feeling like, hey, this has got my name on it, not realizing, oh, yeah, and I got hired immediately hmm. and I recurred. And the interesting thing was I was as thin as I had ever been. And here I'm playing a guy that's a con artist who's an informer and is in exchange for food. And you'll love this. I brought all my own food on the set, including my own ravioli and sauce. So the prop guys loved me and they would give me money for whatever they thought it would have cost them to duplicate it. And the last one I did, I'm in a phone booth and I say, yeah, I'm eating slippery shrimp from Yang Chow. None of them took the time to find out that Yang Chow was a real restaurant in Chinatown and they had this dish they're famous for, slippery shrimp. I didn't have to pay a thing at Yang Chow for the next 10 years for that free promo that wow. I gave them because I was eating slippery shrimp in the phone booth out of at a takeout container. So that that was a great gig. And by the way, what's her name? It was the lead was fantastic. All my scenes were with her and she was a great Terry. Terry Hatcher. A doll. Yeah. She treated me like she knew me all her life. She was great. Wow. Yeah. So that's how that gig came about on my birthday. And Robert Singer was the producer had hired me for a thing called midnight caller with Gary Cole a few years earlier. And Rita that. Wilson was on there. Mm -hmm. So he remembered me and he brought me back. So it was kind of nice that he was looking for something to bring me back in on. It was great. Yeah. Robert Singer yep. who went on to the last thing he did was 16 years of that supernatural up in Vancouver. Yeah. Wow. That was a big show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Sal, I, I I hate to finish up because it's been oh, so interesting. Right, we're just getting started, but if you have, if you ever have room for me again, I would love to continue. You were a delight. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'd really love to have you on again. That's that's uh, thank you for sure. But and uh, I'll shut up the next time and I'll turn my cell phone off so I can't do double duty <laughs> so someone can watch Ted Lasso in Rochester, New York. I apologize. No problem. I uh, want to finish it up with one final question. Go. Uh, as far as when you get a chance to relax. What are yeah. your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Not the ones that you were in, but ones that you just enjoy watching. What are you watching? Godfather 1, Lawrence of Arabia, mm -hmm. the French film Children of Paradise, which was filmed during World War II, and the Jewish, the Jewish people, many of them were extras. The director would hire them so they'd have a food, and he, he gave them jobs. Les Enfants du Paradis, the children... And up in the upper balcony of the of the of the theater, those are my favorite movies. And Casablanca, of course. So those are my those ones I will watch any time if they're on the air. Yeah, I stop everything. In fact, they're showing Godfather One and Godfather Two 
at one of my favorite movie theaters coming up and I've already bought tickets for him. I can't not watch that in Lawrence of Arabia or Casablanca too many times. So those are my favorite all-time movies, none of which I was in. Favorite TV shows? Well, MASH, of course. Yeah, all right, all right. Not the episodes I was in necessarily. But I loved recently, Ted Lasso and Mrs. Maisel were absolutely the most wonderful shows. They were upbeat. They were filled with a lot of heart and soul. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, but they're all unredemptive succession. I mean, the language alone in that, the writing that that Jesse Armstrong, who wrote it, I mean, forget it. And those performances, Karen Culkin, look at what he became. I mean, he's just a brilliant actor. So those are my three current favorite TV shows. I know I wasn't supposed to say MASH, but I love MASH. No, that, and no, Barney you, Miller, which I can watch ad infinitum. Yeah, yeah. No, well, uh, before we get kicked off here, I just want to thank you right. so much, Sal, for joining me here. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. I am honored to be asked to do this. I'm really touched. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, buddy. I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Sal, for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, so much, you know, we could talk with him for an hours and hours, you know, just to, to hear all the things he's done and talk about uh, the things that they've done on the shows that he's been on and everything. But uh, if you get a chance, check out Soap. That is a remarkable, incredibly funny TV show. And uh, you'll, see, you'll see Sal on there as uh, Father Tim. And also, uh, MASH, when you're watching MASH, listen for the guy over the intercom. That's Sal, uh, at least for an, or some episodes. Not there was, there was another guy that did it too, but uh, Sal did it, so uh, be sure to be listening for that and uh, check him out on some of the other things he's done. So we appreciate that and hope you're enjoying these episodes of On Screen and Beyond. We've got a lot more coming your way, but uh, we've got a lot in the past where you can go back and uh, sadly... Uh, we have a lot of them who have uh, just passed away, and uh, the only way you're going to hear their story is by listening to these episodes and uh, hear about some of these fantastic actors and musicians and things. I mean, we've had Meatloaf on, and he passed away, and also, uh, you know, just uh, so many others, uh, Mickey Rooney and everything. So uh, if you get a chance, listen to those, and uh, they're, they're quite interesting hearing them, uh, whether they're still alive or they've passed uh, to hear how these people got into the business, whichever it was, or whether it was music or TV or movies. And uh, it's just uh, just incredible to hear them talk about it. So, some are very similar, you know, how they got in or why they got in, and others have a, just a complete different uh, reason for doing it. And uh, It's just a lot of fun to hear that. So be sure to check those out. All those are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbeam, uh, you know, anywhere you get your your podcasts there so tell a friend about on screen and beyond and uh, check those out and uh, hope you enjoy those and like i say there's so many that uh, you know you'll be if you're working out or driving to work or whatever <laughs> this is going to pass the time for you because uh, it's not like you're going to hit 10 episodes and then we're gone uh, we have over 640 now uh, episodes and you can uh, you know Take a long time to hear them all, <laughs> but they are they are a lot of fun, so be sure to check them out. Well, that's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.